Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pro Football Network Sports Betting Podcast. I'm your co-host and chief content officer, David Behrman, alongside my partner in crime, director of betting, Brian Lewis, and special guest, sports betting reporter, Ben Fox, who I worked with at ESPN. The two of us ran up chalk for a while at ESPN Chalk, which was predated ESPN Bet. Uh, and then he went and worked for VEASAN for a while and now writes for the USA Today. So, Ben, welcome to the show. Glad to see you again. Hope all is well. Yeah, doing well. I don't have a uh, big can of Mountain Dew, big mountain <laughs> can there, pyramid of uh, Mountain Dews behind me. But otherwise, everything going well out here in Vegas. I mean, it's, it's audio only, so you can't see the big stack of what keeps me alive every single day and eventually will kill me. Um Brian made a comment just before we went on air that of our three teams that we are diehards for dolphins, Eagles, and Vikings, uh, your team had the best week, had the only win, but you won three, nothing and benched your quarterback. So advantage you by the W and the L columns, but which was worse, Brian's Super Bowl contending Eagles getting slaughtered by his arch rival Dallas. My dolphins, having a 14 point lead disappear before you could return from the bathroom or your Vikings winning three, nothing, but benching their quarterback. And you actually have no idea how good they are. It's a good question. I think that the dolphins have the worst loss just because they're 13 and a half point favorite. You can't lose that game. You don't have to cover necessarily. Obviously if you bet on them, you'd love for them to cover. You have to win that game to stay in the race, the number one seed and the division and everything else. So that's the worst loss. The Eagles have kind of been playing with fire for a couple weeks, if not most of the season. They'll be fine. Like, I think Jalen Hurts is getting healthier. It's also the difference between expectations and not expectations. I think the Vikings, with Kirk Cousins, are a divisional round, championship round, potential team. They didn't have a defense last year. They have a defense this year. Josh Jobs, Nick Mullins, you, it, it, it doesn't really matter, like, if they make the playoffs, they're probably losing in the first round to whoever they play. So it was an ugly game. Well, I was teetering between do I want them to win or lose? They, sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't mean I, – I, I feel like it would be a homer for a second Eagles. So when I talk to people at the Eagles, if you're a fellow Eagles fan, it's like the sky is falling with how I talk to you. If it's outsiders, I always try to give like the, the perspective of that game was like – I think they'll be okay. I don't like they're not close to the Niners level, but they just had like the hardest five week stretch possible, and they just came out of that just like tired with all this restless advantage. So the thing, luckily for them, is that if they went out and the Cowboys went out, they'll win the tiebreaker because of the common opponents. And you know who you know who breaks that common opponents? It was a Cowboys loss to the Cardinals back in week three. Like that might be the difference between them being the five seed and the two seed. Well, that's week fourteen. That's in the past. All of us want to forget it and move on. So now it's week 15. We're not talking Thursday Night Football because we never do on this podcast. And if you want to know more about the Dolphins, you can go listen to the Dolphins podcast that Adam Beasley and myself taped. That's over on PFN, hashtag Miami, hashtag Dolphins. It's there. Go ahead and listen to that podcast. We're here to talk betting. And people, it's time for some Saturday football. Now that college football regular season is over and it's now bowl time for them. The NFL takes Saturdays as well as Sundays and Mondays. And we're going to start with Ben's Minnesota Vikings on the road at the revived Cincinnati Bengals. It's going to be a matchup of two, seven and six teams. Bengals laying three at home total sitting at 40 and a half. I'll start with Ben since he is a Vikings fan. And we just talked about the Vikings. What are your thoughts on this game? You're getting three on the road, switching quarterbacks. Cincinnati just switched quarterbacks. Nick Mullen versus Jake Browning. What do you got? It's a barn burner. Uh, so one book that opened at Cincinnati two and a half did take some sharp money there at that number to get to three. Um, this game hinges a lot on the status of Justin Jefferson. It sounds like he's going to play. Uh, I did a piece a couple weeks ago at USA Today kind of ranking all of the players by their value against the spread. Justin Jefferson was number three, Tyreek Hill number two and Travis Kelsey, number one, Jefferson worth a little over a point and a half. So, and I would argue he's potentially worth more uh, to that offense as well, just in terms of what he opens up for the rest of it too. I think this is probably a little of an overreaction uh, in terms of how well 
how how poorly the Vikings offense looked and how well the Bengals played. Um, again, you know, the Colts are fine, but it was still still a home game. They they look great. Uh, the public is backing the Bengals here. Seventy nine percent of bets at DraftKings right now on on the Bengals, as you'd kind of expect, only a three point home favorite. I would probably lean Vikings getting the field goal. I think their defense is still being a little bit underestimated. The, the Raiders are not a good team, but they do have some playmakers on the outside, and the Vikings completely shut them down. Uh, I think their defense is a little bit, I've been saying it's a little bit like playing one of the service academies in college football, right? It's just such a different defense under Brian Flores to prepare for that unless you really have that extra time, and by the way, the Raiders were off a bye week. So that was them with two weeks of preparation. They scored zero points. Jake Browning has looked good in, in a lot of spots. It's it's still Jake Browning. I feel like he'll come back to earth a little bit. Uh, and with also a little bit of a banged up Jamar Chase, that makes a difference to me too. Yeah, that'll be the, the only reference to Brian Flores allowed on this program today. Brian, what are your thoughts on this game? You don't have a horse in the race, but do you have a dog in the race? I think I pretty much agree with everything uh, Ben said about this matchup. I really think the biggest factor here is the Vikings defense going against Jake Browning. I mean, since the Vikings one and four start, they're the best defense in the NFL by EK per play. And I'm going to bring up one more time. Brian Flores is a big reason why he actually might be. I might be missing an obvious name when I say this. He might be the most valuable coordinator this season with how he's transformed that Vikings defense. When you look at their personnel, it's definitely underwhelming on that side of the ball. I know when uh, Vikings went 13 and four last year, whatever it was, their Achilles heel was their defense. Everybody said how fraudulent they were. It wasn't because their offense, because their defense was one of the worst in the NFL. I think they were second to last in yards allowed per game. But really, this, I just don't, I then really said it to a Jig Browning. We kind of, we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves. We always do with these backup quarterbacks. They had like a good game or two. And now we're talking about them like, Oh, could he be playing himself to a starting job the next season? We just did a few weeks ago with Josh Dobbs, and now he's benched. So, really, this is a fate of Jake Browning going against a much better defense, going against Brian Flores, who I think this type of defense is going to be is tough for these young, inexperienced quarterbacks because they're either blitzing everybody or dropping everybody back. It's very confusing for opposing quarterbacks, especially inexperienced ones. So, I like the um, Vikings here getting the points, and um, especially if it goes up with Ben saying all the public money on uh, the Bengals. I'll make sure that the uh, video editor on the team bleeps out every time one of you mentions Brian Flores. So, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, add the- one more, I'll add one more thing, Behrman, too. The look ahead on this was Vikings minus one. So, And again, that was with Dobbs. So I think Mullins potentially could be an upgrade, and now it's four points different as to what that look ahead was on the Westgate line. Moving on to the second Saturday game, Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you guys, if you've read the column or listened to the pod, I've been on that Colts cover express for the last month or so, taking them every week. It obviously ended poorly last week, and the Colts uh, got blown out last week by the by the Bengals that we just talked about. Uh, right now, they're laying, it was two and a half, it's now down to one and a half, total is 42 and a half. I personally like the Colts here. I, I'm staying on the Colts express. It's not necessarily a play on the Colts. That is a fate of the Steelers. The Steelers who have lost the last two games and have been outgained in 11 of their 13 con- contests this season. Both teams are 7-6, and six, but I don't think all 7-6 and six teams are created equal. I'd rather have the Colts right now than the Steelers. You're getting a line at 1.5, uh, pretty much betting the Colts to win this game. I'm taking them again. I'm going to keep taking them, especially when they're playing teams I feel are getting a little bit overrated by the books. The Steelers have just not been a good team this year, despite their record. We'll start with you, Brian. What do you like in this game? Yeah, I'm not sure the Steelers are getting overvalued here. Like the difference between them and the Colts, I'd probably put them in like close to the same tier, yet they're getting points on the road, which I think the spread makes sense. But I think this is a good spot to back the Steelers, at least compared to the last two weeks. As Mike Tomlin as an underdog in the latter half of the season, just a really impressive record there. And, Historically, you want to fade him going against far inferior teams as like letdown spots as we saw the last two weeks of the Cardinals and Patriots. But with him as a short underdog, long rest, and I'm still just not buying this Colts team. I think they've been very well coached, but they've kind of been punching above their weight, overachieving for a while now. And I could see some uh, regression in the last few weeks of the season. So not strong play, but I wouldn't need Steelers if anything. So Ben, you're going to break the tie here. I'm on the Colts. He's on the Steelers. What are you seeing? 
this is the definition of a coin flip game to me. So I don't know if I don't know if I would have a, a break of the tie. Uh, the, the look ahead was Colts minus three. It opened minus two and a half. We've seen that come down a bit. Public on the Colts, seventy five percent of the bets, sixty five percent of the money. The Colts are just. I think we've seen this with Gardner Minshew. He's good for a while, and at a certain point, he will probably fall apart. So you're basically betting: Does he not turn the ball over against a Steelers defense? That made Bailey Zappi look like Tom Brady. So, and that was in Pittsburgh. This is on the road. And to me, it's just a, a stay away game under a field goal. I don't really, I, you can't bet on Mitch Trubisky uh, necessarily because you're only getting a point and a half. I don't know. To me, it's just a, a stay away. I'll leave that one to you guys to fight out. Hey, as we've discussed on this show many times before, sometimes the right play is a no play. And in that case, you don't, have to play. I like one side. Brian likes the other, and you don't like either side, which is totally understandable. Going to the final Saturday game of our trifecta that we will have to bet on Saturday. We have the Denver Broncos playing the Detroit Lions. Lions are giving four at home, total of 47 and a half. It's really a matchup of two teams heading in opposite directions. Lions have lost two of their last three. Broncos, six of their last seven. It seems obvious, but that's why it's called the NFL, and NFL betting is not as obvious as it looks. If it was easy, you would just take, oh, the team that's playing better and the team that's not playing well. Starting with you, Ben, do you have someone you like in this game? What are you seeing with the money? So the money is just about 50-50 in this game. Uh, Majority of tickets on the Broncos, but not much. It's about 59-58%, so it's pretty split. I think this is pretty cheap for the Lions, um, so I would probably lean to Lions here and go with them. I, I think that there's just certain teams that have your number and play well, especially in divisional games, and the Bears are that team for the Lions. I, st- I think at home, uh, the, the Broncos are fairly fraudulent, having watched that game against the Vikings and some others. like the, There's a lot of duct tape uh, holding that together. They have played close games, um, but at some point, I think that's going to run out, and I don't think they can keep up with the Lions. I think they get back on track on offense against a good Broncos defense. Uh, I think they cover this number. It's good that, that that Ben has that position on the Broncos, so he would probably agree with me if I wanted to spend the next 10 minutes of the pod arguing against all of the Twitter fanatics who somehow think a guy who lost 70-20 to 20 should be up for Coach of the Year because he dug himself out of his own crap. To me, you're eliminated if you lose 70-20, to 20, but... There are a lot of Bronco fans out there pushing for that Sean Payton narrative. We're not going to discuss it. You know where I stand. You allow 70 in a game, you're eliminated for all time to win coach of the year, but at least for this season. <laughs> yeah, you, you built you built the hole in the ground. You don't necessarily get credit for coming out of it. Brian, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's piggyback off your point real quick before we get back on topic. It's the coach of the year, not the most improved coach of the year. Like it's a 18 game award, not oh, the first few weeks of the season don't matter. They absolutely do matter. They absolutely should matter, in fact, into the equation. But I think there's a good bounce back spot for the Lions. I mean, kind of missed the value a little bit. It went up. It was at three, three and a half. Got as high as a five. Now it's dropped down a bit to four. I just think that a big reason for their struggles last week, just because, like, think of the environment. Ben mentioned it was a division rival who's kind of had their number all season. But – there's also Jared Goff outdoors in Chicago in December. Now as we back home playing in a dome, we all I don't need to give you any stats to tell you how much better Jared Goff is indoors and outdoors, especially this time of year. That's pretty much common knowledge for all football fans at this point. And even though at the Broncos, their defense got a whole lot better since they gave 70 points a year team. That's just a bounce back spot for the Lions just because they're so much better at home. They got too much talent on that side of the ball, too well coached on that side of the ball. And I don't really think this Broncos offense can exploit this Lions defense like we've seen in weeks past. This Broncos, I mean, you got to attack them through the air. And this Broncos passing offense, really similar to what we saw in the early Russell Wilson days in Seattle. They're going to really run the ball. They're 25th only in passer over expected. And Russell really just takes layups, so like checkdowns or deep shots. So like it's basically layups and threes offense, not a really precision, high volume passing offense. They're towards the bottom of the league in completions. I think it's a good spot for the Lions. Not totally sold. I'm not, I'm not going to buy them being back toward being a contender, but I like this as a bounce back spot for them. 
somehow we have three Saturday games where all six teams are above 500 in playoff contention. So it'll be a good Saturday slate. We head you know, over. Funny. They're all in playoff contention. They all have winning records, but you could argue each one of those teams is fraudulent. Oh, absolutely. That's why they're seven and six and not 10 yeah. and three. Uh, moving to Sunday's action, we have Tampa Bay and Green Bay. The Bay out of the base, as Ben and I are used to hearing that over and over again. Sorry, Berman, if I violate any copyright infringement. We have the Green Bay Packers laying three and a half, 41 and a half at home versus Tampa Bay. To me, this is a battle of two teams that don't have any staying power should they make the postseason. Neither is very consistent. From week to week, you don't know what you're getting out of these two teams. I'll start with you, Brian. Is there one Bay team you like over the other Bay team here? Keeping in mind, Green Bay is laying three and a half at home. Yeah, I'm almost kind of like suspicious of this line. I think they're pretty much like two even, pretty similar teams. But you're getting the hook with the Buccaneers. That almost seems too easy. As we saw on Monday night, this Packers team is still very young and very inconsistent week to week. And if they don't have Christian Watson this one yet again, I'm not sure Jordan Love really exploit this really bleak Buccaneers passing defense, considering how young the talent is around them and how inexperienced he is as well, too. And especially coming out of a short week, too. It just seems too easy to take the hook with the Buccaneers, but that's my play for this game if I had one. Ben, what are you seeing with the Battle of the Bays? Look, sometimes sometimes easy is uh, is the right move as well. It's true. Um, at uh, at FanDuel, sixty six percent of bets, seventy two percent of the money on the Packers. Um, the the Packers are the classic kind of enigma team, like you said. They're they're a young team. Jordan Love looked amazing on Thanksgiving. They played one of their best games the season in, in beating the Lions, and then they kind of stumbled over themselves in a game they definitely should have won against the Giants on Monday Night Football. So I would I would lean the Buccaneers as well. They're just a team that always – I don't think they're that good. I was shocked when they beat the Vikings in week one. They were not as good a team. They just hung around and, and won the game. Vikings made every I was on the Bucs that day. Make. Uh, but they're in all these games. <laughs> okay. Well, c- congrats to you on, on that one. Um, I, I don't, I don't think they're that good a team, but they hang in these games and they do cover some numbers. So if you're getting the hook there, I would, I would take the bucks. The team that the green Bay Packers beat last week, the New York, or that lost to last week, the New York football giants short turnaround. They head to uh, new Orleans to face the saints, uh, DeVito mania heading to new Orleans. Uh, now it's a battle of two teams outside of the playoffs, but hanging on for dear life. Five and eight Giants getting six points on the road in New Orleans, total of 39 and a half, which is up from 37 and a half. I personally don't feel like the Saints should be favored by six over anybody in the NFL. That being said, I'm not sure I like the Giants either. We'll start with you, Ben. Do you have a side of this that you like? I wouldn't say like. Uh, I, I think that I would lean um, that I would lean towards the Giants just because I think they have they, they have an identity, right? They know who they are. They, they know kind of what Tommy DeVito can and can't do, and they're going to play to that. The issue is the Saints still have a really good defense, and I think we've seen certain games like against Carolina, uh, teams that just can't move the ball against the Saints, no matter how inconsistent Derek Carr is or if it's Jameis Winston or if it's Taysom Hill, at a certain point, the field position is just too much to overcome, and they're going to at least kick field goals, if not score touchdowns. The Patriots, though, are tied, or excuse me, the Saints are tied with the Patriots for the worst home uh, record against the spread at one and five. So we tend to think of the Saints as great home field advantage. They're covering numbers. They haven't this season. Um, I, I would probably lean Giants, but not really as a strong play. I think that at some point, the Tommy DeVito story is a nice story. It's going to come crashing down and this this could potentially be the week, but it's a lot of points for the Saints, like you said, against anyone. Brian, you're going to get an up-close look at the Giants two of the next three weeks with your Philadelphia Eagles. What do you think of them getting six right now in New Orleans? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, the Saints. This doesn't really make sense. They're 3-9-1 ATS, but they have a plus 24-point differential. That's three points better than the Eagles. 
But nobody's ever going to try to argue the Saints better team than the Eagles. I think we forget about a lot of times these point differentials is their schedules. And the Saints are obviously inflated by the fact that they shut out the Patriots by like at least 30 points a few weeks back. But this is like the last team I ever want to lay points with as a favorite. And uh, if you watched that game last week, I had the Panthers in that one. That was a tough one to swallow. But that game was a lot closer than the score indicated. The Saints actually had 100 yards less of offense than a Bryce Young-led Panthers team. That's how bad their offense is right now. And they really benefited by turnovers. Pretty sure I had a block punt. And um, this ain't and just playing the worst offense in football right now. It seems pretty chalky to, to ride with Tommy DeVito after he's just after his Lynn Sandy run he's going on right now, coming off the big win of Monday night football in front of the entire country with his agent now being a celebrity, his family being the most celebrated family in football right now. Kevin Clark had a really funny tweet. It's like every sport's looking for that new superstar. And the NFL is just like, oh, we have this Italian guy. And now he's like an internet is a national sensation. It's really funny. I almost said international. That would be a little insane. But I just had no interest on uh, betting on the Saints as a favorite of six points. And it seems chalky, but I would take the Giants here. Yeah, and and the Saints team is one that we were high on in the preseason. I took them. They're over 10.5 wins, which still could happen, but won't. Um, I guess it can't happen. They can only finish 10-7, and so I lost that bet. I I did take them. I did take them to win the division, which is somehow still possible with everybody tied at six and seven. Uh, but let's talk about two other teams in, in the NFC South. I would skip this game because it won't be on anyone's TV unless you live in Atlanta or Carolina. But speaking of laying with the Saints, you have the Atlanta Falcons laying three on the road, which seems to be an auto fade until you realize they're on the road at the Carolina Panthers, who are two, nine and two against the spread this year. Worst in football. Not only do they have one win on the season, they only have two covers on the season. They're just not a very good football team. The total at 34 and a half, uh, down from 35 and a half. Uh, this is not only is a stay away, it'll it'll be the one game on the Sunday ticket I, you know, pretend to ignore if I only have six games up. Uh, it'll be up there to see if anything bad happens. But, Brian, what do you think in this one? Yeah, I probably have to be the only person in America that's not only bet on the Panthers two weeks in a row, but is going to do it for a third week in a row. I should be 2-0 ATS. Like they probably should have covered that last game, but they covered two weeks before. Their defense got a whole lot better with uh, J.C. Horn back in the lineup. And um, they also have no incentive to tank, obviously, because the Bears have their pick. It's really just all about their young players proving themselves for next season. These coaches trying to keep their jobs or audition for the next job. But it's also fade the Falcons. You know that um, they're 4-9 ATS, and only one of those covers didn't come against a divisional opponent. It was Tim Boyle in the Jets. They're just a much worse team on the road, too, this year. They're averaging 15.2 points per game on the road. I'm going to necessarily take the Panthers on the spread. I might just say the Falcons team total under going against uh, underrated defense and a very with a very inconsistent offense with a young quarterback who really struggles on the road. Ben, ben your thought on this NFC South tilt? Yeah, I, uh, I also, in my pool, had the Panthers – Last week, I, th- I think two weeks straight, and I texted my brother after I said, We're n- I got to stop betting on the Panthers. Uh, th- they're awful. They just, I don't think it's all Bryce Young. It's not really a fair one-to-one comparison with C.J. Stroud in terms of the guys are running wrong routes. You know, it's just kind of a mess of a team, but that doesn't mean we have to bet on them. Uh, so <laughs> I think I need more points here than just uh, than just a field goal. You're not even getting the hook. This is, as you would expect, the public play of the week. 85% of bets, 90% of the money at DraftKings right now on the Falcons to cover. Um, And basically the same percentage on their money line. It seems like the free bingo square just because the Panthers are terrible. The Panthers could win this game, but I'm not going to be... I go with the Doug Kazarian philosophy a bit, uh, which is which ticket will, will you feel, you know, smart Uh, or excuse me, dumb holding afterwards. A lot of that was betting against the Patriots in their heyday, where you're always trying to find that one week, like, oh, I'll take the underdog. And then the Patriots win 40 to 10. You go, why do I have this, you know, Chiefs plus six ticket? It doesn't do a lot. The Panthers are that team this year. They're just, they got to show me one week that they can actually cover a number. Uh, And like you said, I don't think the Falcons are a very good team. I do think, though, with their weapons and as long as they have a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over, they should win this game. And 
you know, at least win it by a field goal, you get a push. If not, win it by more and you get a cover. If you had uh, the Ben Fox is going to quote Doug Kazarian, uh, seven to one prop for this show, cash your ticket. I know Doug's listening, big fan of the show. So Doug, Ben giving you some credit there. The three of us go way, way back to our Bristol days. Uh, Houston Texans on the road in Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans fresh off their, we'll just call it win on Monday night in Miami are laying two and a half points at home versus the Houston Texans who lost tank Dell. We don't know if CJ Stroud's going to clear concussion protocol lot we don't know uh this would seem to be an auto fade spot with tennessee short rest coming off an upset in miami but the houston texans did put up 135 total yards with cj strout playing most of that game uh they could be in trouble but they're also a good texans team that has won more games than they have the previous two years combined i'll start with you ben is this a ticket you want to hold this is probably another at least at this moment, a stay away. I think unless you really feel strongly, you have information one way or the other that CJ Stroud is playing or isn't playing. So that's kind of most of the handicap. Uh, Davis Mills is a competent backup. He played, I think he started 15 games last season. So he's not a Tim Boyle, right? Or somebody coming off where you're like, oh man, can they get a first down um, or potentially score six points in this game? He's not bad. I think, like you said, the Titans, for whatever reason, it was a very emotional game. They very much wanted to win. You saw it with well, Will Levis uh, after that final touchdown. Uh, and Mike Vrabel is a great coach. I think Tomiko Ryans is a great coach. Much better defense, I think, for the Texans. But to me, it's still just kind of a stay away. Betting's just about 50-50 in terms of tickets, a little more money on the Titans uh, at DraftKings right now. But to me, this is a is C.J. Stroud playing if he is i think i would take the texans if he's not it's probably a pass and you know that the line likely will move if cj stroud is declared in the line is built in right now as if he's hasn't cleared concussion protocol hence why the texans are getting two and a half to three points i think if stroud plays this will move closer to even so if you think stroud is playing and you like the number take it now because you won't get that if stroud does play Brian, do you have anything, any interest in this game? We don't know what we don't know yet with the with, with the Texans, Titans off their Monday night win. Is there anything here that, that that strikes your fancy? Yeah, we honestly just know that this line isn't going to be the closing line. It's not what it would be if Stroud was playing, and it's not what's going to be if Stroud is out. It's kind of like a hedge in the middle. I mean, there's no way the Texans would be getting three points at Tennessee, the healthy CJ Stroud, even factoring in them playing on the road and all their other injuries. But – if it is Davis Mills and the line does go up, maybe it plays like in a money line parlay. It might be too many points to lay at this rate with the Titans. I just think this would be a bad matchup for the Texans with a quarterback who I don't think is really capable of taking advantage of really weak Titans pass defense. And also when you factor in all their injuries, the uh, Texans have a wide receiver. And also their best defensive player, rookie Will Anderson, is on the injury report, which would be a huge loss in this game too, considering the second biggest weakness for the Titans team is their offensive line and pass protection. And, I'll just lay the tight. I'll take the Titans here, but it really just depends on the number. But like you said, it's just really hard to say, not knowing the quarterback status in this game. And that's why injury reports exist for us betters to wait and see approach. You'd like to get the early numbers. If you think Stroud's playing, go ahead and jump on Houston. Uh, moving to an AFC East battle, the Miami Dolphins trying to rebound from their Monday night letdown, laying eight and a half points, total of 37 and a half. Uh, against the New York Jets, a team they beat pretty handily a few weeks ago. Guys, I was looking at this game when I was writing this column, and you know it's hard to lay eight and a half when you don't know the health of a lot of the Dolphin players. They lost their center. Tyreek's banged up. They have some issues on defense, injuries, etc. But the Jets absolutely have no offense whatsoever. All due respect to Zach Wilson's fourth quarter last week, they still had a 0-0 game at halftime. Uh, I have not taken an under in a Dolphins game this year. I've taken plenty of team total unders with the Jets. Uh, I'm leaning, I mean, I had it at 39 and a half. Now it's down to 37 and a half. With the Dolphins struggling on offense with injuries and pass protection, and the Jets having no offense, you know, for once in a blue moon, the under comes into play for the Dolphins game. What are you, uh, what are you looking at, Ryan? Yeah, this is just a tough one for me. Just the injuries of the Dolphins are our killer right now. Do I really want to buy high on Zach Wilson off the best game of his career? 
No. I uh, don't really have much here. Total is at 40. Dropson's Monday night. Missed the value. Don't really have a strong play right now. Ben, what are you hearing on the grapevine? And do you like anything in this game? So this uh, is an interesting game, certainly from a gambling perspective. I think it's a classic teaser spot. If you like the the Dolphins, eight and a half, get that down to two and a half. Pair it up with, I think, another another game we'll talk about here uh, shortly where the line is dropping precipitously. I thought this was interesting. DraftKings opens all the lines for weeks 1 to 18 in, in May. This was Dolphins minus one and a half. Now, obviously, that's a full Aaron Rodgers healthy um Dolphins team healthy, but the look ahead for this was Dolphins minus 13 and it opened Dolphins minus 10 and a half. Like I said, that other article I did, Tyreek's the second most valuable player in the NFL, non-quarterback worth almost two points. I think some of that, whether or not you like them to cover that number hinges on whether he plays. I think they win that game by a field goal, whether or not he plays. Uh, we've certainly seen the Dolphins defense as well without Jalen Phillips be not kind of the same unit that they were. I just think the Dolphins are a much better team, much better offensive coaching staff. They'll have something figured out with that defense to at least move the ball. And like you said, it's still Zach Wilson at the end of the day uh, and the Dolphins are still at home. So I think the Dolphins get over that teaser number as to the spread. I wouldn't necessarily take that one or the other. It's amazing that in the world of NFL look ahead, you could be sitting on a Miami Dolphins minus one and a half ticket and a Jets 13 and a half ticket. Oh, by the way, if you want to get in at eight and a half, it's there as well. So that's the beauty of betting in April. If you if you got those lines, uh, Bears, Browns, the Browns are right in the thick of the AFC North and AFC wildcard race. The Bears are hanging around. Bears are playing spoiler for some, but their playoff hopes aren't dead yet. Browns laying three at home, 38 and a half uh, would indicate the line is fairly even. Not sure I see these two teams as even, but the Cleveland Browns are sort of the Jekyll and Hyde of the NFL. One week, they're Super Bowl team. The next week, they're like, uh, we're crap and we're going to get Joe Flacco off the off the garbage heap. So we'll start with you, Ben. Browns, Bears, what are you seeing? What do you like? What are your thoughts? So the look ahead for this was Browns three. It opened Browns three. And it's currently Browns three. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the most bet game of the week by uh, any stretch of the imagination. The Browns are tied with the Cowboys for the best home uh, against the spread mark at six and one, which also tells me they have to lose a game at some point <laughs> against the spread at home because uh, they're just not that great a team. I think Joe Flacco is playing well, much like the Tommy DeVito Giants. They kind of know what he can and can't do. Um, I think we saw one pass last week where he thought he was Joe Flacco in 2011 throwing a deep ball and it kind of died and was intercepted uh, by the Jaguars. But the Bears are also an interesting team because they have the potential number one pick with Carolina. So they're not incentivized to lose because they already have kind of that high draft pick. They can kind of do whatever they want and they need to see what Justin Fields is. I'm not really aboard the Justin Fields starting quarterback train. Uh, I think he's very inconsistent, but against certain teams, he does look like a starting quarterback and can play well. I think there's one I'd take the Bears getting the three points. Brian, what do you see in this game? What do you like? Yeah, I got the Browns when it was at a three and a half. Now it's down to three. Um, really, this is kind of a sell of Joe Flacco going against a defense that has much improved since earlier in the season. They've actually been one of the best units in all of football for quite a while now. And honestly, this is the highest Joe Flacco stock has been since he won a Super Bowl like 11, 12 years ago. Probably. And now they're going against a really good defense. We've seen two good games in a row from Flacco. This is a good this seems like the right time to sell. I think the Bears are actually like if you're a power ranking the NFC teams right now, you could argue the Bears are one of the top seven teams in the NFC right now with how they've been playing. I'm not a Fields believer too like Ben, but I don't think he's just terrible by any means. I just don't think that he's good enough for if you were the number one pick to pass up on Caleb Williams or Drake May on a rookie contract. But they've been really competitive in recent weeks. I think they're a solid team that's better than their record because of how bad they were earlier in the season. The Browns are pretty Jekyll and Hyde, like you said. 
And really just a matter of, can Joe Flacco be this consistent week to week? I mean, he was on his couches a few weeks ago. He's probably the least mobile quarterback in the NFL right now. I had a text message this morning from a buddy who said, quote, Joe Flacco leads the Browns to the Super Bowl. Is he a Hall of Famer? Oh, I got got the response I expected. Crickets. Mm -hmm. Kansas City Chiefs, struggling Chiefs on the road at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough to face the New England Patriots, who are on a winning streak of one. They're on a streak of scoring more than six points in a game of one. Um, They won. Bailey Zappi got a win. Chiefs are struggling. Uh, It would be easy to say in recency bias to take the Patriots in this one. I can't consciously give that type of advice out. I think this is a get right spot for the Chiefs. It's what the doctor ordered for them. I liked it in the column at nine. It's down to seven and a half, which will allow me to buy at the seven in some places. Total 37 and a half. We'll start with you, Brian. Chiefs Patriots. We didn't really expect either team to be in this position. They are right now. What do you uh, what do you like in this game? Yeah, when I, the line came out of nine and a half, I like the Chiefs at nine and a half. Then it got down to seven and a half. Now it's back up to eight. I'm seeing ESPN bet. I'm kind of surprised by, uh, well, not terribly surprised that Sharps have been back in the Patriots all season long just because they love betting on team bad teams that appear to be undervalued in the market. And they love to fade overvalued teams like the Chiefs, like the Eagles, the teams that the public loves to bet on. It just seems like after they got, I'm not going to say screwed, but they felt they feel wrong by referees two games in a row, the Chiefs and games that they believe were coin flip games and should have won. It seems like one of those games where they come up really angry and just pile up the score. But this is the the public in me, the chalky part of me saying this. I'm really curious to hear from Ben about where the action's been in Vegas on this one because this line has dropped a lot. Ben, your thoughts? Uh, sorry, froze there for a second. <laughs> All good. Uh, for me, this is the other part of the two-team teaser that I would put in, especially now that it's gotten down to to seven and a half. Again, this the look ahead was Chiefs minus ten, open minus nine and a half. Uh, the Patriots are one and five against the spread at home this season. They were when they were nine and a half point underdogs. That was the highest or the most points they'd been an underdog since two thousand one. The Patriots. And that was when they were an 11 and a half point underdog against the Colts, whom they then destroyed. However, this is a much different team (laughs) than that one back in 2001. Uh, I thought also interesting that we talked about those kind of opening lines back in May. This was Chiefs minus three and a half. And they are roughly, you know, you could say they're roughly the same teams. Obviously, I think the Chiefs kind of are where we thought maybe underperforming a bit. Patriots certainly have underperformed and have some defensive injuries as well that have really hurt them. But it's really a question of whether you think that was the Patriots on Thursday night football turning a corner with Bailey Zappi in the first half versus what we saw in the second half um, and kind of how much stock you put into that. So this is a game the Chiefs desperately need, which is why I would take them on that teaser, especially they, they have to win this game. You kind of trust the infrastructure and Andy Reid, Mahomes, for them to win. So Ben is pitching a fade the Patriots and Jets teaser. Twist my arm, twist my arm, twist my arm. <laughs> It'll be better. That's a great teaser, I will say. It's one of those ones that almost seems too good to be true. And if there's one team that's going to screw it up, I hate to say it. No, no, that's what and I, I will say too. As as you're saying, looking a little bit at weather, it is a chance of rain and 20 mile an hour winds. Uh, in Miami. So you never know if that's, again, part of the game, all the game, but that's also something to keep in keep in mind. Same thing in New England. I think yeah, that helps have, the Dolphins, though. We have a lot bigger problems on our hand if the Dolphins can't cover that teaser line, but that's for <laughs> the Dolphins podcast, once again, on PFN. Uh, speaking of PFN, the PFN merchandise store is now open and just in time for the holiday season. Visit pfnmerch.com for exclusive shirts, sweaters, hats, and more for the football fan in your life. Act now and get holiday savings. I can see Ben Fox walking around the Vegas Strip with a PFN hat on. That'll make us happy. Brian's going to buy one for his wife, and we're all going to be happy. Remember, pfnmerch.com. Moving on, Washington Commanders. The obit has sort of been written on their season. On the road, the L.A. Rams, who lost in overtime last week to the Baltimore Ravens, right there on 
the edge of the playoff race. The Rams are given six and a half to the Commanders. Uh, total sitting at 50 and a half. Uh, not one to normally lay almost a touchdown with a 500 type team. I just think the Commanders are done. Ron Rivera is probably already looking for real estate outside of the D.C. area. And the Rams are a team that, quite frankly, should have won last week in Baltimore and are a team that I'm not sure I'd want to play them in the NFC playoffs. Obviously, the, the cream of the crop is still the giant, the uh, the Eagles, Niners, and Lions, but the Rams might make some noise down the stretch. Oh, and the Cowboys, sorry. I, <laughs> I was going to say. And the Cowboys. Uh, we'll start with you, Ben. Rams minus six and a half. I actually really like this game. Uh, I, I think that the commanders are done. Their defense is terrible. Uh, they give up 100-yard receivers for lunch, and the Rams have a whole bunch of receivers that can get that in this one. Yeah, and I think we saw with the Commanders, too, they turned a kind of strength into an even bigger strength by continually drafting on the defensive line, and then they finally got Chase Young back, and they finally had Montez Sweat playing well, and then they traded away both of them. And all of a sudden, you don't have a strength. You have kind of now a line that's okay, or potentially weakness with the rest of that defense. So I would pro- I'm probably staying away from this game just because it's a weird kind of line. Public is all over the Rams, 80% of the bets, 79% of the money at DraftKings uh, on the Rams minus six and a half. It's just tough to know with Washington where, like you said, kind of where their head's at. And to me, this is a great in-game betting situation where – I think it's either going to go the first quarter, the Rams come out, they're up 10 nothing, and the game's over, or the commanders kind of hang around, it's 3 nothing, it's 6-3, some weird score, and you can get the Rams at a potentially lower number uh, as well if you like them there. But it's just hard to know the commanders' motivation, like you said, because they're not making the playoffs, and you don't know if Sam Howell's the quarterback, and you're probably not going to have your head coach. So there's not a lot going right there. Just hard to know kind of where their heads are at. And the Rams played a really hard game in overtime on the other side of the country against a really good team and a really physical team as well. So there is that opportunity for a letdown as well. There is. And the last time we saw the Washington Commanders, they were at home allowing 45 points to the Miami Dolphins. So -hmm. you don't know what to expect there. Brian, is there an angle on this game you like? Yeah, this one confuses me. So... Ben just mentioned all the money on the Rams at DraftKings. I'm looking at FanDuel. 92% of the money on the Rams on the spread, but the spread hasn't moved all week. And not only has it not moved all week, but that's like the key number for a teaser to get the Rams down from six and a half to half a point. Everything you said, David, makes total sense, but everybody knows that. Everybody's back in the Rams, yet they haven't budgeted all in the commanders. It seems really fishy to me is all like, it seems like a no brainer to take the Rams here. Their, their strength is their passing offense. Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. What's the weakness of this commander's defense? We talk about it every week, their passing defense. And they're playing on the road here. And just the fact that the line hasn't moved whatsoever with how much money is coming on the Rams with it being such an obvious teaser like too, makes me very suspicious. Yeah, it could be a tricky one. It could be a fishy line. Uh, wasn't thrilled to hear that 80% of the world agrees with me. It's not something I like to hear. Uh, moving on to arguably the best team in football, the San Francisco 49ers on the road in Arizona. Uh, it was as high as 13 and a half when the column was released. Leaning Niners, I don't lay double digits on the road often. Last week, I took advantage of an early line and had the Niners minus 10 before it went up to 13, 13 and a half. And lo and behold, uh, Seattle covered the 13, but did not cover the 10. So I got paid and everybody else who had the Niners didn't. Uh, this number is now down to 12. So it's sneaking back down 12, 47 and a half is the total. It's a lot of points to lay on the road. I'm not sure you'd want the Arizona Cardinals here versus a Niners team that as Brian and I have talked about, have won every single game with Trent Williams and Debo Samuel healthy. They're 10 and 0. Uh, nine of them were double-digit wins. The only one that wasn't was when Sean McVay awarded all those Rams betters with a last-minute field goal to cover last spread. Second. Last second field goal to cover a spread in a double-digit situation. Uh, fan of the program, Sean McVay. Is there anything you're liking in this game, Brian? Yeah, I've been talking about every week taking the 49ers team total over. Um, but after that hitting every single week with Debo and Trent in the lineup, it finally lost last week. Came very close, though, but it finally lost. And by the way, um, if you had the 49ers at like minus 10, 10 and a half, and then you did the middle with the Seahawks, 
that's a huge win last week. I'm sure a lot of sharps, a lot of pros did that, having inside information about the quarterback situation with Geno being on the injury report late in the week and then missing a game. But now the team total over for the 49ers after they didn't hit last week's at 30 and a half. That seems a little high for me, but if I had to have any play in this one, that would be it. I'm really curious to see where the McCaffrey touchdown odds are this time. Last time it was at as high as or as short as minus 400. It's crazy. But no strong players for this one. 49ers are a juggernaut. Cardinals are a bad team, but not as bad as they were earning this season. Obviously, with Kyler now coming off a bye, got really nothing to play for, but don't really have a strong opinion about this one. Ben, this is a large number. Are you laying this on the road or are you going with the home team? I think I would probably go with the home team. Not Again, not a strong opinion. This in talked about that a couple times with the lines coming out in May. This was Niners minus six and a half and roughly kind of the same teams that we that we have, uh, unless there's a major injury that I'm not thinking of. With the Cardinals off a of bye, the, the Niners are by far the better team. Uh, one odds maker last week told me he had the Niners five points better than any other team uh, on a neutral field. Some people think that's a little high, but also they just had gone into Philadelphia and, and beaten uh, the Eagles pretty soundly. So I would probably lean the Cardinals just because you're getting those points. It's still in Arizona. Weird things happen with those home teams and staying in games. And the Cardinals, thanks to that Patriots win and some other teams winning, do also have a little more of a secured kind of draft position down lower. So they do have a little more room to negotiate uh, if they happen to. They're not winning this game, but um, if they happen to at least keep it close. Uh, as somebody with a Cardinals under four and a half season wins uh, ticket, definitely rooting for them to lose. They're getting a little close there, but I, w- I would still lean Cardinals against the spread here. I think they I think they keep it within that number. We have one more game to talk about on our slate before we wrap it up. Of course, you can get all the betting lines by going to ESPN Bet, put in the promo code PFN, and they'll reward you with $250 worth of bonus money. That's not something you can get anywhere else. Download the ESPN Bet app, promo code PFN, and reward yourself with $250 in bonus bets for this 16-game NFL slate. We got one more game, Ben, the Dallas Cowboys-Buffalo Bills, arguably the best game of the week, the one that will have all the eyeballs on it at the 425 slate. The Bills' narrative is they're back. They may sneak in. They may come from deep down to win the AFC. I even have a Dolphins beat writer telling me they're going to win the AFC East. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. Coming off their big win against the Chiefs, they now host a red-hot Dallas Cowboys team who is just blowing everybody out. Cowboys 8-1, and one, with the one exception being a five-point loss to Philly over the last nine weeks. They've scored 33 or more points in six of the last seven since the bye. Ben, do they continue this in Orchard Park, or is it back to reality for the Cowboys this week in Buffalo? I think it's back to reality. Uh, the Cowboys are NFL best, 9-4 and four against the spread. They've, they've played great, and I think the public would probably be surprised that the Bills opened as a favorite here, and the line has stayed that way, right? It hasn't flipped uh, at all in terms of the Cowboys, you know, going close to pick or Cowboys as a favorite. I think the Bills, you know, we've seen betting at DraftKings, about 60% of the bets on the Cowboys, but about 70% of the money on the Bills. I think that the Bills have, they've thrown off the scent a bit, right? Like they, they're they a, a team that should probably be, have nine or 10 wins. They had the Broncos game, they had a couple other ones, they're right there. And now they just don't have a margin for error, which just means they're kind of that much more focused. Obviously, we'd always say every NFL team trying to make the playoffs has to win or is trying to win every game. I think the Bills really know with this team and potential Super Bowl windows, like this is a very important year. All of these games are incredibly important to them. I think the Cowboys as well, a little bit we've seen outdoors, some of those games, Philly, some other ones, they're not the same as indoors at home on turf. Um, a little bit like with the Lions and Jared Goff. So I, I would take the Bills here. I think they are, I don't, I don't know if they're necessarily the better overall team, but I think they're the more desperate team. Uh, and they're still a very good team despite their record. Brian, I know you, I know what you want to happen in this game. What do you think is going to happen in this game? What I want to happen is what I think is going to happen. I mean, 
there's no denying how good the Cowboys have been in recent weeks since their week nine loss at Philly. They haven't lost since, but I've really been tested since. I've only had one road game since then. It was at Carolina. Like if you're asking for any road game, state like outdoors, indoors aside, you wanted to be at Carolina. That's the worst team in football by like a pretty significant margin. And I'm just a big believer in this Bills team right now. As Ben said, they're seven and six, but they play more like a nine and th- like a nine and four, ten and three team. And after just been so unlucky for the re- like for most of the season. I mean, they only ha- only the Ravens have less losses by more, by less than one score than the Bills. They just been like when they lose the really close games and they win. Excuse me, they have the most wins by more than one score besides the Bills, the Ravens. So basically. All their losses have pretty much been coin flip games, and most of their wins have been pretty significant. I just think there are Patina's kind of poised for a run. It could be a sleeper in the AFC versus the Cowboys. They're riding really high right now. Everyone saw them blow out my team on Sunday night football. Then they're probably wondering, oh, why are they an underdog here versus seven and six team? On paper, on a neutral site, it's probably close to an even matchup, I would say. Like I'm really curious what an odds maker would put it at. But I think the point spread factors that in here too. I like the Bills in this one. So we all agree, Dallas 47, Bills 3. Glad we all agree on that one. Um, Going to put you on the spot. Brian knows it's coming, so I'll let him go first while Ben has the next minute and a half to figure it out. Brian, what's your favorite play on the entire card? You got your best bet. Um, Right now, I would say either the Bills or the Bears getting the three and a half. And then the Falcons team total under. So he's got Falcons team total under as well as the Bills. And what was the other one? Bears with the hook. Bears. Ben, what's your best bet of the day? I'm going to uh, take the Vikings bitter rivals and take the Lions. I just I just do not believe Lions minus four. Uh, I just don't believe in this Broncos team. And I think at, at some point they're going to be outscored. And I think the Lions get back on track on their way. Uh, to winning the NFC North and being more of what we saw a couple weeks ago in terms of a potential Super Bowl contender, playoff contender than kind of what they've looked like the past couple weeks. I don't like taking the chalky plays, but I really, really like the Rams minus six and a half in this one. I understand it's been bet on a lot and the line hasn't moved. I just think the narrative here is the commanders are done. Head coach is checked out. He knows he's done. Rams are battling for a playoff spot. Uh, I think this one's going to be a blowout, so I'm going to go with Rams. I also like the Chiefs. If that number continues dropping, I'll jump over the Chiefs minus seven. Of course, the one I like the most, you would have had to listen to yesterday's pod or read other articles because I really like the under in the Thursday night game. Uh, But that's not what this pod is about. So that's going to do it. Uh, Remember to go to pfnmerch.com for all of your PFN merchandise for the holiday season. And, of course, download ESPN Bet. Promo code PFN to get $250 worth of bonus money. So that'll do it for the PFN betting podcast. Brian Lewis, we'd like to give Ben Fox a hearty thank you for joining us. And we got a couple of more pods down the line, so hopefully you'll be back. Uh, so for the two of them, I'm David Behrman. Thank you for listening, and hopefully you'll win your bets. 